Welcome back to The Deal. I'm Danny Brown. If you haven't subscribed and left us a comment, please do so. You can do it at Apple Podcasts. You can do it at YouTube or anywhere you consume your podcast. It would help our ratings and following so much. And please spread, spread the love, spread the word. Today's guest, out of Aspen, one of the top 25, 30 agents in the country, Stephen Shane. He's going to give us the breakdown, the insights, the scoop on Aspen real estate. Steve Shane can be found at Stephen D. Shane on Instagram, or you can go to his website, shaneaspen.com, S-H-A-N-E, aspen.com. This guy is uh, killing it in Aspen, and great guy, very strategic, very smart. School is in session. There's a ton of nuggets here. You might want to listen to this a couple times. So for all agents out there, you don't want to miss it. Welcome to The Deal. Today's guest, superstar agent out of Aspen, Steve Shane. Welcome. How are you? I am good. I'm good. Happy to be here, Danny. Uh, been wanting to get you on the show for a while. Uh, you're one of the top 30, 40, 50 agents in the country. Aspen's one of the top luxury markets in the world. Uh, one of my favorite places in the world. So why don't we start with sort of digging in and, um, and letting us know what's going on in Aspen. Obviously, the market's crazy there. It's a very unique, small market, but some super high-end properties. And what a no better person to talk about it than you. You're in the, you're in the trenches there in Aspen. So why don't you speak a little bit about what's going on in the, the housing market in Aspen? Sure. So as you can well imagine, and I think this uh, transcends not just Aspen, but also markets like Palm Beach and other luxury markets, we are hurting for inventory. So simple laws of supply and demand. We've got more people who want to be here than we have homes to sell. Aspen's unique. Aspen has a finite amount of inventory. There isn't developable land here. Um, so for the most part, if somebody wants a new home, they're going to have to buy what we call a tear down, uh, knock that down and then build from the ground up. Um, when COVID hit, all of a sudden people who are living in densely populated major metropolitan cities around the country realized that they could work from anywhere. And places like an Aspen, a Palm Beach, or Santa Barbara, um, you know, came into favor. And in Aspen specifically, we had what I would call the perfect real estate storm. So COVID hit, and it's funny, I had told my team, uh, my support, look, no matter what happens, I promise you, you're getting paid through the end of the year. I had no idea what was going to happen. By the way, I didn't believe in bottled water either. So that lets you know how much I know. Um, so all of a sudden, we have our summer people coming. So there are people who rent in the summer and they are coming from Houston and Dallas and Los Angeles and all of Florida and Chicago, New York, you know, warm weather client climates. Uh, to come and take advantage of what Aspen has to offer during the summer. People don't realize it, but Aspen in the summer 
is as popular as it is as a ski resort in the winter. So now all of these people are here. At the same time, we've got this mass exodus from these major metropolitan cities. So the people who are summer people who have been on the sidelines are kind of looking at mortality uh, from a different perspective. And they realize that I'm getting off the sidelines. I don't know what the future holds and I'm going to commit. Then we've got people leaving these densely populated cities saying, why am I living in New York and running around Central Park? Uh, I'm going to come to Aspen. Uh, it's my favorite place to vacation. And I'm going to make a go of it here. So when this happened, all of a sudden, the floodgates opened. In 2019, Aspen had 232 sales at a billion dollars. So that's pre-COVID. 2020, Danny, 350 sales, 2.5 billion. And by the way, most of that closed from June through the end of the year. So six months, two and a half billion dollars. In 2021, 393 sales, 2.6 billion. So our inventory is pressured now, and most of the deals or a lot of the deals that are taking place are off market. That's kind of an overview of the economics on a real estate on the real estate front in Aspen. Now, it's great to hear that straight from the horse's mouth. I, I could imagine conceptually that's what was going on, but from just to sum it up, Aspen is already a very, very small, finite market under any circumstances. The demand from global wealth, people wanting to buy second homes or fifth, sixth, seventh homes in Aspen is historically always been a, a strong demand. And then COVID flipping the switch with a mass exodus from all these big markets to rural space, working mobile, it's taken that equation and I don't know. 2x, 5x, whatever the number is, it's exasperated. So now you got the perfect storm. I love that term. It's the perfect real estate storm. So buying a house in Aspen now uh, is even tougher than it's ever been, and it's always been tough. The barrier of entry is is tough. It really is. So what's ended up happening is the periphery. So snowmass. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, 2019 in Snowmass, 340 million. 2020, 578. 2021, 318 sales. I'm sorry. So 340 million, 578 million, 749 million. But Close if you compare, but if you compare Snowmass to Aspen, Danny, it's a value because. In 2021 in Aspen, the average sale price per square foot was $2,127. Um, for your listeners, you know, go look at average selling price per square foot around the country. That's a pretty big number. Yeah. Snowmass, 1,063. So virtually or realistically half. Um, and you're talking about an inconvenience, and I put that in quotes, of a 10, 12 minute drive to downtown Aspen. Snowmass Space Village 
is great. And we've got four mountains in Aspen. Aspen Mountain, also known as Ajax, Snowmass, Highlands, Buttermilk. Snowmass is bigger than the other three mountains combined. So it's great. Uh, so there's value or relative value in Snowmass. And then if you travel 30, 35, 40 minutes out of town, Basalt, Carbondale, again, huge inconvenience, right? 30 minute drive to Aspen, 40 minute drive. When I was a kid on Long Island, and my father took me and my mother took me to Scranton, it's a four hour drive, okay? We're talking 30, 40 minutes here. And again, it's much more affordable. That should be your biography from Scranton to Aspen. <laughs> so, okay, so this is this is great. So if you're 2,100 a foot, just for people out there, you got if you have a 5,000, an average 5,000 square foot house in Aspen, 10 million. And I know some of these houses are much bigger and they're 10,000 10, feet, they're 20 plus million and more. So, but that same house in Snowmass, 10 minutes away, that $10 million house is approximately $5 million, uh, which right. is a huge value. Now, that said, I imagine the explosive growth in Snowmass, uh, the, the appreciation from COVID there has probably raised prices there dramatically. Um, but yeah, it, I didn't realize yeah. how close it was. You know, I know it was close, but <laughs> that close. Yeah, I mean, uh, people have to value engineer. A buyer needs to value engineer. And they have to make a determination of where their priorities lie. So for somebody, it could be the style of the home. For another person, it could be view. Another person, it could be location. We've got river frontage. We have acreage. We have proximity to downtown, in downtown. Everybody has where they, a list of their priorities. Um, and that's great. That's great because... Look, I get calls all the time. I want to be downtown ski and ski out in a single family home in Aspen. Newsflash, there's two single family homes that ski and ski out in downtown Aspen. So unless you're buying one of the two, you're hard pressed to do that. Um, but once you familiarize people with Aspen and with Snowmass and Basalt and Carbondale, uh, different things work for different people. You can get a big, beautiful home on a golf course at River Valley Ranch or Aspen Glen in Carbondale be again in quotes and convenience with that 40 minute drive. But you're also receiving probably two additional months of warmer weather, if that's of interest, two more months of golf, two more months of fly fishing, uh, cycling. So everybody has a different story to tell. And we have the ability to deliver different things for different people. It's, uh, it's amazing. You know, I will tell buyers, if you're just looking to ski, you can get a much greater value in Sun Valley, uh, in Telluride, even Vail. Um, but the point of the matter is, we have developed here by demand. So it's kind of a perpetual request of the people who move here for there to be finer arts, uh, finer theater, finer music, finer dining, shopping, you know, so pure skiing, you can end up in Yellowstone, Jackson, 
But if you want a four season place that's going to provide not only world-class skiing, but world-class culture, that's what differentiates Aspen from all of the other resorts in the world. 100% hands down, that's, that's exactly right. There's great skiing many places, but Aspen has much more, the culture and the, everything else around it. And there's so much variety. And what, from my, what I'm understanding and being there, and I, you know, I try to go once or twice a year, but there's a lot of variety in real estate. As you said, it's, you know, if you only want to be near skiing, that's one thing, but you can be 30, 40 minutes away and probably get much more land and, uh, you know, more value. So that's a great overview. So let's now pivot and return uh, and get to some of your personal stuff. So Long Island, talk about, you grew up in New York and how did you end up from New York, Long Island to getting to Aspen? You know, that story isn't that different from most people who are here. I will, I'm a slow talker. I'll try to talk faster, sorry, and give you an accelerated uh, perspective or history of what ended up happening. Basically, I was in a family, well, my first job out of college, and this will be a different podcast, I held the door open for two very well-dressed guys at the 909 building on Third Avenue. So remember, I grew up on Long Island, and my family was not New York City, but we were Long Island, both raised and also business. What part? What part of Long Island? uh, On the south shore of Long Island, in a town most people don't know called Baldwin. And... um, Anyway, here I am holding the door open at the 909 building, the post office building in New York City for two well-dressed guys. They say, thank you very much. I said, never mind the thanks. How about a job? This is me fresh out of college. Um, The guys look at me like I'm nuts. And uh, one of them says, okay, fine. When you're finished up at Benton and Bowles or whatever ad agency you're going to, come to the 20th floor, hand them my business card, and tell the receptionist you have a meeting with me. Um, The elevator door is open, 20th floor, and there on the wall ahead of me are 12 of the most recent covers of the most recent issues of Penthouse Magazine. My first job out of college, Penthouse Magazine. Um, To let you know what a good sales person my father is, he was able to persuade me to leave Penthouse and go sell anchors. We're in the boating supply business. Anchors. Okay. That's a salesperson. (laughs) So So, it's in your blood, the sales. (laughs) Well, I think I got it from my father. I'll give him credit. So tell me your dad was in in that industry, the boating anchor business? Not forgetting anchors. That was just anecdotal. So, uh, Yeah, my father's father had a hardware store in a town called Island Park next to Long Beach near the water. And they lived upstairs. And because, you know, back in the day, there were wooden boats and they needed things for their boats. So the boat and the hardware store kind of segued or pivoted into a boating supply business. He conned me into leaving Penthouse and coming there. I opened up two additional stores it was my father and my uncle who love and hate one another and i was always caught in the crossfire you know steven is your father in haven't seen him you tell your father you know try to sit behind my desk okay thanks a lot 
So ultimately, I gave each of them, because they wouldn't go in the same room with one another, an ultimatum. And, uh, you know, either we sell the business, uh, I'll pay you not to come in, I'll buy you out, or uh, you can run it, because I'm done. And uh, we ended up selling the business. They, it was a small business. They retired, and I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I used to vacation in Aspen. So I rented a place sight unseen and gave myself what I thought at that point in time was the ski season, a five-month hiatus to kind of figure out what I was going to do next. I was 30-something, didn't have a job. Um, And when I saw the prices of real estate in Aspen, it took me about five minutes to go get my real estate license. Um, At the same time, on the side, there was somebody who approached me who knew that I had a retail background. And this was at the 94 was the advent of snowboarding. Um, And the next thing I know, I met this guy who put himself through Harvard playing a lacrosse, great guy. So this young fellow asked me if I would go into this business and open up a store in Keystone. I said, I'm not going to Keystone. If you want to go to Keystone, you know, maybe we can work something out. This other fellow from Harvard was a pretty high net worth guy. And the next thing I know, we had six snowboard stores throughout Colorado. What's that? What were the stores called? Polar Revolution. This is the beginning of the snowboard revolution. And, and really a marginal business, you know, highly seasonal. And uh, of course, I now my wife, who I met when I first moved to Aspen, you know, said to me a year and a half, two years in, you make more money doing one real estate deal than you do paying yourself a salary traveling across the state to all these different stores. So ultimately, I either closed or sold the stores and then committed exclusively to real estate. Well, that's quite a story. So let me unpack some of this. So you you were going to Aspen as a vacation spot. Were you a skier and outdoors? Life yeah, or- single guy, days are taken care of because you're skiing. Yep. Go out, pray. You're either meeting like-minded people who do the same thing, or you know maybe you get lucky and meet a girl and have dinner and then Rinse and repeat. Same yeah. thing the following day. Yeah. Um, so you went there as a single guy. You meet who your wife there, and uh, after working in the retail snowboard business, you realized the light bulb went off. Real estate's too good. So talk to us now about your when you started in real estate full time. The challenges is being new to real estate. This I assume this is now what that you says the nineties. So it wasn't the type of market we're in now. Talk to some of the challenges and some of the things that you faced trying to start being a, a young guy in a big market or not a big market, but a super competitive luxury market. You know, it's uh, probably a similar story to even today. But basically, you know, you have in our industry what we call a sphere of influence. Um, well, who is your sphere of influence? Basically, those are people we know. Okay, they're friends, you know, forget today where I have repeat clients and referred business. Here you are starting out and you've got people who you know. 
So my wife taught tennis um, and she had taught tennis to a handful of the crowns. The crowns own Aspen skiing company. They own a heck of a lot more than that. And they are an absolute, oh my gosh, spectacular family, salt of the earth, amazing. And thank God for the crowns here in Aspen. In any event, one evening, I don't know exactly why, Claire, my wife and I had dinner with Susan Crown. And then we dropped her off after dinner. And I knew that she was building a home and we dropped her off at her existing home. And I was very new in this business. Maybe I had done a couple of condo deals. And I said, Susan, I know you're building a home in Owl Creek. I mean, what are you doing with this home? She said, well, I'm going to sell it. I said, well, can I sell it for you? And she said, can you? I said, of course I can. She said, okay, yeah, let's talk about the price and you can do it. And that really catapulted my career. And I know it sounds like a simple story, but for those of your listeners who are just getting into this industry, I promise you, I swallowed hard, you know, because this was a friend and now all of a sudden you're transitioning into a business relationship as well. So I think that that really is the single greatest uh, adjustment, move, nuance. It's the relationship that you have with your sphere of influence and then having them know that you're for real and you always want to be identified first as a real estate broker, then Tatum's dad or Remy's dad or whatever, okay? But it's really, really important when you walk into a room, when you walk into a restaurant, when you're with a group of people, it's, hey, there's Danny Brown, real estate broker. There's Stephen Shane, real estate broker. Uh, Luxury real estate brokers, even better yet. So what I'm hearing, though, is in that pivotal moment, you had the, the chutzpah, the balls to have confidence in yourself, even though you didn't have the experience. You presented yourself as sure I I can do this, and she read your confidence, and that had to be a part of it too. And you figured, hey, I'll, I'll fi- if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure out how to do it, you know, with help or or whatever else. But uh, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, as you're building your business now, it's a large business. Tell me a little bit of more, a couple other, are there any other anecdotes or any other experiences like that as you started building your business that stand out? Uh, so people can get an idea. I mean, it can't be, it's not so simple, obviously. It's, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles and a lot of stress, et cetera. So, you know, it goes back to holding the door open for these two guys at the 909 building on Third Avenue. Uh, was it uh, good fortune that I ran into those two guys? Well, how many other people are going to say, never mind the thanks, how about a job? So fortuitous, yes. Executed, different story. And that's what this business is all about. I would tell any of your people, any of your listeners who are getting involved in the industry or people that are in the industry but are new to the industry or want to grow their business, opportunity can present themselves. You've got to create those opportunities. But more importantly, 
once the opportunity does present itself, present itself, you need to perform. How do you perform? Well, you better be knowledgeable to your market because you want to come from a position of strength. And the only way you come from a position of strength is being knowledgeable. I am much more comfortable talking about real estate and quite frankly, Aspen real estate than anything else. Um, throughout my career, I have obviously worked with the heads of every industry, the industry, you know, you know, five years ago, if I, you know, people would ask me all the time, where are your clients from? And they were expecting me to say Houston or Dallas or Chicago or LA or Miami. And I used to say my clients are from hedge funds and private equity. So the great majority of my clients were in finance. And then the next tier had been probably commercial real estate, shopping center developers, then maybe technology, and then everything else, uh, whether the fashion industry, uh, entertainment industry, et cetera, sports. Now it's technology. And these are young you know, guys and gals who've made a significant amount of money in a short amount of time. And uh, they're not scared. So it's pretty cool to see what they are willing to do. And it's also refreshing to see that there is a, a new industry, people who created something that people want. Uh, technology, uh, technology, that's the difference, technology versus finance, right? So finance, you're not really creating something. It's almost like real estate, you're brokering something. You're selling, you know, I can get you this return. Technology, these younger people, for the most part, have seen a void in the market and then created something that's going to provide um, the ability for people to do something through technology more efficiently, and they end up making a ton of dough. I think it's great. Um, so yeah, I think that it's really important to be knowledgeable and to create opportunity and then perform. That just sums it up. <laughs> you just broke it down. You really have to know your stuff. It's not a joke. You're not going to be able to fool anybody. You got to be an expert, know your stuff. And as you said, when the opportunity comes, you need to be able to present it and execute. Because uh, the opportunities are around us, they're everywhere. But if you're not prepared, and you don't execute, that's a wasted opportunity. So that's well said. I love that. I love that. Uh, anything else you can share about uh, any big sales that have happened recently in Aspen? Any blockbuster things have? I know they happen all the time, but uh, is there any blockbuster sales that would be fun to hear about that you're allowed to talk about? Yeah, I, I, I sign NDAs uh, on a regular basis, so yeah, bear with I know. Me. I don't get yourself in trouble here. I don't need any uh, issues. Okay. Things that are public information. That but you I will tell. I will tell you this anecdotally, and it's not a specific sale, but this has happened more than once. So we'll talk in generality, so we don't get in trouble. Right? Okay. Get in trouble. Here's what's crazy. So as you heard at the outset, 
In 2019, the average price per square foot in Aspen was 15.31. And in 2021, the average sold price 21.27. Okay. I am telling you that when I'm representing a buyer in today's market and we end up putting something under contract, I swallow hard, okay? Because we're buying things at $4,000 a square foot. Anything that's special is 4,000 or north of that. So what you're thinking about is if these guys, if this buyer decides they wanna get out, they wanna sell, I mean, how much upside is left? We're at 4,000 a square foot. On two different occasions recently, I sold one, I brought a buyer to a property. Well, this I'll give you real numbers. So I brought a buyer to a property at $21.5 million, swallowed hard, older home, a B location, but an A plus setting. So what does that mean? You know, what's the difference between location and setting? So the A plus locations, Central Core, West End, Red Mountain may not mean anything to <laughs> non-Aspen buyers, but that's what they are. This location was on the river. There's the setting component near, well, let's just say 10 minutes out of town. Setting was an A plus location to B because of the distance to town. $21.5 million, not a brand new home. I swallow hard. Two months later, call from a broker. Stephen, my buyer was upset that they missed out on this property. Two months. Uh, would, would they sell? You know, and don't forget when your client or if somebody buys something, it validates the price of the property in the eyes of everyone, including the people who missed out, right? I, and I said to the broker, look, they're very happy here. The truth, everybody, really works. Run with the truth, right. okay? Here's the truth. They're really happy here. I can't imagine them selling, but I'm sure everything has a number. If you want to submit an offer at a price that you think is going to get their attention, I'm happy to submit it. Remember, I swallowed hard at 21 and a half, 40 million. What? 40 million. You got it. Not accepted. <laughs> and this is happening on a regular basis. Um, and again, I don't want to get into great detail, but I will tell you there's another deal that I did where I swallowed hard. You know, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're paying for this. And then, of course, received a an offer at oh I don't know maybe forty percent greater in a short amount of time after. So uh, that's what's going on in the market today. Well, that sums up the market today, and it sums up the demand. And it's very hard to quantify special properties in A plus markets like Aspen or anywhere anywhere there's an A plus plus market. It, it's hard to quantify, and we could all sit here and like you say, swallow hard and think it's borderline crazy. And then the values in other people's minds are much higher because it's just so scarce. They're not making any more land in Aspen, right? So it's scarce. Agreed. And, uh, you know, now 
when you try to find an unlisted property, uh, so let's say I decide that I'm going to call each day X amount of people who I've sold a home to, you have to be prepared for what their answer is going to be. Their answer is simple. It's the same answer nine out of 10 times. Where am I going, right? So when you make the call initially, it's like this. Hey, Danny, I can't speak to your lifestyle, okay? I sold you the home. I've been here 28 years. It's my favorite place on the planet. I know it's got to be one of your favorite places. Lifestyle aside, I would be remiss if I didn't let you know that the home you bought three years ago is now worth twice the price. Can't speak to your lifestyle, but if you want to sell, that's the expectation. And there's, you know, X amount of people who just say, I'm very happy. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. And then there's every person or every once in a while where you're going to get, yeah, look, if you can get me this, I'm good. And they do it and they, they scramble, right? They'll either buy something else or they'll buy something somewhere else or they'll rent for a while. I mean, but sometimes the economics are just too appealing, too alluring not to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes they don't care about the economics. They're so set or happy or wealthy that doubling your money in a year or two or, or 60 days they don't care. Exactly. <laughs> Not on board. Well, Steve, thank you for sharing such good insight and nuggets with us. I really appreciate you giving us your time. I know you're you're super busy over there. You probably got to hit the slopes and meet a client soon. But next time I'm in Aspen, which hopefully will be soon, we'll get together for a lunch or a drink. And I appreciate you spending time with us. Forget the lunch or drink. I'll just show you a property. Yeah, show me a property for 5000 a foot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy a 50 square foot uh, something where I can put a sleeping bag. <laughs> All right, bud. Good to see you, Steve. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Danny. Steve.